This is episode 411 of the AWS podcast, released on November 24, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back and we have a really interesting episode today diving into some rapid innovation that's been going on and I'm joined by two very special guests and some virtual guests as well. Uh, firstly, I'm joined by Ian Rouse, who's our country manager here at Australia and New Zealand Public Sector. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Great to be with you. Thank you. And also joined by Cindy Schwartz, who's our ProServe Senior Practice Manager. G'day, Cindy. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm very excited. We're excited to have you here. Now, we're going to explore how the COVID-19 pandemic has really sparked a lot of rapid innovation across a variety of different industries and how they've been able to use cloud technology to adapt to their current situation. And we're going to do this in a few different areas. And the first topic we're going to talk about is healthcare. Now, one of the things that we've seen, particularly across Australia and New Zealand, is the dramatic deployment of remote healthcare, often called telehealth. And these solutions have really been rolled out to reduce the risk of exposure, to improve patient care, uh, to manage the burden on healthcare workers, and to ultimately reduce the future transmission of the virus. And at the centre of these solutions is cloud technology, which has basically been critical in its ability to support the development of new applications and to handle increasing workloads. Now, we've had a great local example with one of our customers called Juniper Aged Care. Now, a bit of background about Juniper. Uh, they began operations uh, as a charity and church agency back in 1949, and they're now one of Western Australia's leading providers of retirement housing, home care, and residential aged care services. Now, we recently spoke with Dan Beeston, who's Juniper's aged care ICT manager, and Dr. George Margellis, who's the Independent Chair Aged Care Industry Information Technology Council, at one of our webinars. And that discussed how healthcare facilities are transforming their practices to provide their residents clinical care during this time of isolation. So let's hear a bit of an audio snippet about what they've got to say about their digital innovations. We had the technology plan in, in progress and obviously uh, the, the, our foundation was there. So our first part of the technology plan was to build that foundation, strengthen the Wi-Fi, provide mobile compute and uh, leverage uh, or move into AWS. So we actually uh, had a tenancy within AWS already established. So that allowed us to enable three technologies. We had one, which was video conferencing. So we use MS Chime. We had Connect, which is was we used for call routing and also as an emergency overflow for if we had an outbreak. Now, fortunately, Juniper didn't never got there and we didn't have to enable that service, but it was good to have that peace of mind and it was there available to us. The third one um, was AWS Workspaces, which allowed us to facilitate working from home with that device as a service capability. Now, a quick comment on the AWS Chime. What that really allowed us to do was to roll it out quickly. We started off with CEO briefs uh, on what to expect and, and what direction we were taking. That quickly moved into a COVID uh, response team where we did uh, dry runs or drills, that we called them. Um, for when the coronavirus came, we changed our tune. We didn't say if we were we were planning for the when, and we were confident that it was going to happen. Fortunately, and obviously, we're not clear yet, but um, but so far we we've been trending very well. And for our residents, we had the video capabilities in there, and obviously that reach was out to the the bedside. We had the the devices and the the Wi-Fi to support it, and by enabling and focusing on one technology. 
and we were able to quickly develop training material, circulate that amongst all of our stakeholders and allow families to connect. From a staff perspective, it allowed teams across those facilities, across those networks to create relationships, relationships that they hadn't created before. And we were very much, uh, lots of travel, lots of movement. So typically the regional areas uh, missed out, but with enabling the technology, they were, they were able to join us. And that's, that's actually continued. So now we're, we're again, we're somewhat, somewhat past. We're still le leveraging that capability and we've certainly reduced the, the movement within uh, Juniper, which is great uh, for infection control across the group. Lastly, we had great, great success. One of our sites or campuses uh, has five aged care facilities and we actually have a medical center in the middle. But our technology plan hadn't yet reached the, the medical center. However, we had technology at our disposal, so we quickly rolled out technology in there. And whilst there was a bit of a lull immediately with the medical center having to close down, once the funding model changed and we were able to, to claim telehealth medical services, we were able to tap into that. And I, 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 it was great to hear that we actually went from three practices uh, or rooms um, to a virtual room of four, and we were actually able to see more people through the pandemic and extend that reach um, to other facilities across our group. Whereas before, it was physical travel and attendance at the medical centre. What other COVID-19 innovations you also saw being leveraged during this period? So internally within our organisation, we, we refer to this concept of forced innovation. So organisations were forced to develop new clinical, new social and new financial models in response to the COVID crisis. Um, one of the biggest challenges we faced in aged care was that of isolation. So we already had situations where people weren't communicating with family and friends as much as they would like. Come the, the COVID crisis, there was literally a shutdown both within the residential facilities and with those receiving care at home. So looking at how we could improve socialization in a time of isolation was a, was a real challenge. Things like video conferencing became a great tool and uh, it was amazing how quickly that was taken up by both residential aged care facilities, by elderly people in their homes, by family and friends. And we actually had comments down the track that people were communicating more during COVID crisis and isolation than they were prior. So that was a great innovation. Another huge issue was obviously, and, and Dan touched, touched on it, uh, staff and client safety. Those who didn't need to be in contact with clients could avoid it through their use of, of video conferencing and work from home technology. But a lot of staff did need to be in touch and simple things like providing education on how to use protective equipment. Now, we're all trained on how to do that when we're at university, but the reality is most of the time we don't get to use it as, as often as we would like. Or, or need to. So therefore, people had to get uh, education on how to use some of the newer protective equipment. And doing that through online training pro tools was, was fantastic. Using video conferencing for triaging, working out who needs what services and being able to facilitate those services and use those services efficiently was fantastic as well. So we found a, a significant use of, of video triaging. Some really interesting insights there. And certainly, uh, you know, a, a primary requirement of healthcare and residential aged care services is to provide safety for their residents and staff. And that involves re reducing the amount of movement within their space um, whilst they meet their objectives. Now, Cindy, maybe let's dive deeper into Juniper Solutions for investing in a remote work culture. Uh, can you share what AWS Remote Solutions and, and work from home technologies healthcare organisations can and are leveraging? 
Thanks for that. Um, actually, there are a lot of overlaps between the work from home needs and those from healthcare. And using technologies like Amazon Chime combined with Amazon Workspaces and Amazon Connect can create really powerful tool sets for our healthcare providers. Clinical teams and health professionals can use Amazon Chime video conferencing to interact virtually with patients, both whether they're at home or in a hospital facility. And essentially, it'll extend the physical consultation to a virtual one if needed. And additionally, during these socially distant times, Amazon Chime allows healthcare organizations to connect patients across locations to further extend social connections so they don't feel so isolated. And as we heard in the Juniper example, Amazon Chime can also be used to help healthcare organizations provide training to staff remotely, as well as enabling remote work scenarios, helping with the safety of both patients and staff. And Amazon Connect enables businesses to have fully operational contact center that can be operated virtually anywhere. So contact center staff can work from home and still perform all the normal contact center activities. So in the case of a COVID breakout, Connect can offer healthcare providers the ability to keep their call centers open, even if their staff are working from home. This can be further extended by integrating other AWS services, such as Amazon Lex, to provide further contact center automation, providing self-service capabilities to customers when calling using natural language. And this can help with the increased demand and allow customer contact staff to focus on the most important calls. And lastly, I'd also include Amazon Workspaces in that, which is a managed secure desktop as a service, which can help healthcare providers use the spaces to provide a productive working environment in just a few minutes and scale that same identity and security they have in the office when their staff are working at home. And here in AWS Professional Services, our consultants have unique hands-on experience in trying to tie together Amazon Chime with workspaces and connect, creating a critical component for how telemedicine can work. And during COVID-19 pandemic, professional services consultants have evaded customers and consulting partners in many of the areas of healthcare seeking to deploy telemedicine, contact center and remote work solutions in multiple geographies, spanning the globe and on an expedited basis, as well as helping the aged care organizations such as Juniper. And I think, Cindy, one of the, the key things there is that ability of customers to get access to these types of high-quality services really, really fast, irrespective of where they're located, which really changes the mental model of, I've got to be in the office to do my task. I, I guess, Ian, you know, following on from, from some of Cindy's thoughts and, and these technologies, let's think more about the impact. I mean, uh, in, in our snippet, Dr. George Margellis touched on that ability of video conferencing in improving socialization at a time of isolation. Can you give me some thoughts about the way cloud technologies can, can benefit the healthcare community? Absolutely. You know, if we look back over the past few months, uh, customers that have demonstrated speed and agility have really differentiated themselves. I think it's important for the audience, though, you know, something as simple as video conferencing to keep families connected with their loved ones might feel obvious, but there are significant barriers for customers if they have a legacy approach to IT. You know, more than ever, the AWS cloud has been about providing access to the latest technology. And in doing that, it allows customers to focus on their business. When we think about our mission in AWS public sector, we think about students, residents, patients, and so on. Uh, increasingly, AWS is taking care of undifferentiated heavy lifting closer and closer to the customer's customer. Look, just to illustrate this, New South Wales Health Pathology developed an SMS solution 
that reduced negative test result wait times from seven days to just a few hours. The goal was to relieve anxiety for citizens and to allow clinicians to dedicate more time in assisting patients who tested positive. Now, by automating this process, New South Wales Health Pathology has saved the equivalent of three years in manual time as compared to the time it would take to individually contact tens of thousands of people with their negative test results. And it allowed them to stay focused and, and really maintain their focus on those that had the most need. And to think that just a few years ago, sending SMS messages to entire populations was difficult. It was really expensive. It was super complicated. And customers can now pay for what they need while we take care of that complexity like scale and the hard work of working with multiple carriers to have those messages delivered. And, and finally, I think that, you know, informed customers are making great decisions, but we're seeing that education takes time. We're making good progress with programs like AWS Educate and AWS Academy, but there is so much more work to do because we're finding that customers have to feel competent using the cloud. And those that do feel confident, I'm finding, have an unfair advantage of those who don't because we really want to make sure that everybody has the ability to access the latest technology and we love assisting our customers in delivering their mission. Yeah, that, that ability to move quickly has, has never been more important. And, and I think it's interesting when we think about the, the context in which we operate, the importance of data gathering and an analytics on that data is so important. And, uh, and Dan and George spoke about this. So let's take a listen to their perspective for a moment. We are theoretically a consumer-led industry. So the fact that you know, what, are, what are the clients who are using the services expect from the services, now, part of that is education, so building realistic expectations. Unfortunately, in aged care, we can't take an 80-year-old and turn them back into a 30-year-old. But what we can do is provide them with services to make their quality of life as good as possible during, during that time of their aging. So understanding the metrics, I think a really interesting area we're going into now is that we now have new ways of, of measuring things. We can measure activity, we can measure cognitive decline, we can measure physiological decline, we can measure a whole bunch of things in real time and use that data to better understand and personalize the care provider to an individual. I think that's one of those really important areas going forward because that's going to require us to actually start looking at the data, analyzing the data, and using the data to change behaviors, both of carers and of the, of the clients. So from a, a, a data perspective, uh, one thing we need to do, or would like to see in the community space, is the monitoring from afar. We've had a lot of good systems coming in where we can put yeah, systems and, and services into the home, and we can monitor from afar. We can start to view trends and uh, start to have early indicators in terms of care and obviously we need to where we need to in interact one thing i would like to see from from government or, or from from the industry is is what, what we see is we, we, if once we move into this real-time reporting and we have that transparency and we're providing that data to government in my opinion why, why can't we as an industry move to self-reporting as opposed to now we have the accreditation agency we have these unannounced visits it is very disruptive to our industry but if we open it up and, and provide information that the government can easily do desktop checks on on how juniper are performing and really cut down uh, those those visits or those accreditation requirements 
And I think that's definitely going to have a, an impact in the quality of care we provide because as an industry, we can then focus on the residents as opposed to aligning to legislation. Now, Cindy, can, can you comment on some of the different ways that cloud solutions can be used by the healthcare industry to measure data in real time, which is clearly an important thing to do? Sure, Simon, thank you. The cloud actually allows customers to bring together data from many sources across many systems in many different business units or even across organizations. And by using services such as AWS Lake Formation, Customers can bring this data together in a data lake to gain further insights from this data by securely making it available to additional teams, helping to break down the traditional silos that have prevented organizations from extracting value from the data previously. For example, by using the breadth of services available on AWS, customers can stream data into their data lake from connected health devices via our IoT or Kinesis services, performing real-time analytics on the streaming data before storing it in the data lake built by using AWS lake formation. This data can then be transformed as required to enable further research and analytics using services such as Amazon Redshift, Amazon Athena, and Amazon QuickSight, as well as AI and ML services such as Amazon SageMaker. These approaches can be used to bring visibility of data and more business units from the healthcare sources, such as clinical information, patient information, and care coordination systems. And all of this can be done while maintaining the highest levels of data security and compliance as required by our healthcare customers. So Ian, we've sort of got a, a, a really large palette of things that uh, healthcare customers can use. What do you think the, the future looks like and, and how do you see healthcare businesses and AWS working together to, to benefit uh, patient outcomes? You know, Simon, I love that our customers have active projects around data lakes in particular, and the way these collection of data really help provide greater operational insights to guide better decision-making. What's interesting though, is the potential, because if we connect these data lakes together, we may have this opportunity to amplify insights. Traditionally, we've thought about sharing data by copying it from location to location. And of course, the organization that has the greatest need for data pays the majority of the cost. But by using broadly adopted AWS services like S3 and the power of the cloud to connect and to collaborate, I see a future where customers can share and federate access to data in ways that were prohibitively complicated only just a few years ago. You know, and you think about that potential, the future's bright. And I really think we're at the tipping point of sharing data more actively, more effectively in sharing between providers, recipients and government. But we wanna go further. We wanna adopt a model where we can enrich that data and then provide the benefit of that enrichment in the same way contributors enhance say open source software and you know with telehealth and phone-based consultations making it easier to connect with caregivers than ever before we should expect that iot based medical devices will become normal and we should expect that that'll give caregivers the ability to collect vital signs and provide even greater advice before they need to get to a face-to-face -face consultation and so I see AWS playing a critical role connecting caregivers and recipients together, no matter where they're located. Yeah, I think it's been fascinating to watch how the, the healthcare sector has really risen to the challenge of, uh, of an experience that uh, certainly is beyond uh, living memory, I think, in terms of uh, global pandemics. And I think what's interesting is some of the challenges that have been faced by healthcare have echoes in the education space as well. 
you know, the, the parent-student teacher relationship has been changed and somewhat strained when building online education solutions. And the cloud has allowed education institutions to build resilient, scalable digital infrastructures and adapt really fast to what is a, a changing landscape with engaging learning solutions. And what's been really interesting is watching many of those provide those services free of charge for educators during the pandemic. Now, some of these are e-learning platforms and teaching resources, uh, tools that monitor the well-being of students. But the, the reasons for their rapid uptake are, are pretty consistent, which is teachers are striving to support their students' educational needs and well-being while teaching them through distance learning. Now, one of our EdTech customers called Arludo built a library of almost 30 mobile apps hosted on AWS, which were designed to improve students' engagement with science using augmented reality and analytics technology. And what's interesting is what started off as a product that augments the physical learning experience and help connect scientists with students in regional rural areas has actually been widely adopted in many education institutions across the board to improve engagement during distance learning. And its founder, UNSW Associate Professor Michael Kasimovic, recently joined us at one of our webinars. And so let's listen to how he rethinks the online classroom through gamification and quickly developed an immersive online course via webcasting to support his EdTech product. One of the things I actually research is human behavior. I'm an evolutionary biologist, so I'm very keen on understanding how our world and how quickly it changes affects how we behave and the information we gather from it and how we choose different pathways through our lives. So that's a little bit of my research side and that's kind of built what I've done with Arludo to some extent. So what I'll focus on today is what exactly we've built. And what that is, is we've created a library of mobile applications. And the idea of these mobile apps is each one is different each one teaches a different topic, but it allows students to experience that topic firsthand. But the really kind of interesting and neat thing about what we've done is because we're using mobile devices, something every student in the world knows and has, virtually every student, we're meeting them where they live and where they kind of, a device that they use on, on their daily lives. And the key thing about mobile devices is these things are so powerful and they have so many different sensors and so many different ways to interact with the world that we're not quite using it. And that's what we're leveraging with what we're creating. Because what we've done is we've taken the mobile phone and we've made it a piece of scientific equipment. Now, why that's important is because every kid knows how to use a mobile phone. So you don't have to train anybody to do anything. They just jump right in and start using that device right away. Doesn't matter if they've never seen the app before. But the really neat thing about what we've done is each one of our apps collects scientific data in the background. So as students are exploring their world, we're building and visualizing graphs and figures for them. Now this is important because what our goal is, is to help students become scientifically literate, help students understand what data is and how to understand how to make sense of data because our future is full of data. And if we want leaders and we want strong decision makers, we have to have people who understand what data mean and how to use them properly. And that's what we do. We run incursions. And this is something new that we've developed during the pandemic because we realized the library of games and apps that we actually have can be used to interact with students in a really unique kind of way using 
a live seminar like I'm showing you right now. And I'll show you how interactive we can make that seminar. And like I said, we're focusing that on primary and secondary schools so we can get scientists visiting students anywhere around the world. And what we've seen with our approach here is it's regional and rural schools who are appreciating this most, mainly because they never get the opportunity to interact with scientists in a really intimate kind of way. The group that we're focusing on is parents. So there's our B2C kind of market. And to them, we're offering extracurricular programs because if we've seen anything over the pandemic, we've seen a rise in homeschooling. Right? And we have a lot of parents who are learning the ropes and are looking for really innovative, unique opportunities for their kids. So we're filling that niche as well. So Ian, Aludo's mobile apps can be used in both physical and online classrooms. And the first is really augmenting that physical learning experience. And the second is to redefine online learning engagements. Can you comment on the benefits of cloud technology for education customers and through those different personas of students, educators and parents? With tens of thousands of students of all ages um, across Australia and New Zealand having experienced learning from home, there's really no doubt in my mind that educators have done a remarkable job of adapting to engage students using a variety of online tools. I think it's important as a shout out, you know, let's recognise how hard it's been for families to homeschool their children. If you think about the juggle between operating the household and just getting things done, and for those that are still fortunate enough to be working to get their jobs done as well as, you know, deal with feeding time um, as the kids run in from playtime. And it's been super difficult. I think it's important to set the expectation that, that we don't have a silver bullet to solve this, but we have to look at flexible modes of education as a problem that we should and must solve. And in that context, it's super humbling to see the number of local companies who are laser focused on making education easier. These education technology or ed tech customers are committed to making it easy to teach and learn in a lot of ways, making learning fun. And when I think about Aludo, they're just one of a number of customers that look to AWS to help them scale. I've heard customer stories where the adoption of online learning was bursting hundreds of percent above historical growth levels, and AWS enabled these EdTech customers to stay focused on their mission of connecting educators and learners. And, and look, you know, three examples come to mind. The first one is a podcast platform called Wooshka. Um, I just like saying that, by the way. What a fantastic name. It's a name. nice name to emphasize, isn't fantastic it? Wooshka. <laughs> Wooshka. And they made their podcast distribution software available free to schools for 2020. I mean, what a massive commitment. And, and their platform enables podcasts to be shared within private groups. And in doing this, it makes it ideal for distributing information and content to classes and school communities. Uh, Wooshka, as you'd expect, is built on AWS but uses Amazon Polly which turns text into lifelike speech. That's just super cool. The second example I can think about is educator impact. And when they looked at the shift to online learning, they were really smart and got ahead of this idea of well-being because they had a problem statement, which is, well, if students and teachers can't see each other face-to-face, -face, how do we keep connected and make sure that students are coping with these changed circumstances? And so they built out a 360-degree feedback tool for schools and for educators and a cloud-based mobile app called Pulse that leverages AWS to monitor the well-being of students on a weekly basis by asking a number of really small questions such as, how are you feeling today? 
and it provides students with a means to ask for help and you know making every day are you okay day just seems like the right thing to do so what a fantastic example and and look the other example i can think of just to close out is uh, scale and if i think about you know new zealand based edtechs like education perfect these folks provide a digital platform that transforms uh, online teaching and learning experiences and and lets educators and teachers re uh, uh, students connect you know, since the beginning of March, Education Perfect has seen more than 1.2 million students in over 4,000 schools across 80 countries now access the platform. And, you know, when I think about this, there is so much to celebrate and so much more work to be done. But it's just incredible to see in EdTechs invent and simplify these learning experiences, Simon. Yeah, I think that the, the dynamism of invention and the, the speed of response has been huge and because uh, it affects really all parts of the community, I think that's that's really driven some of that importance. And I guess the, uh, the, the diversity of access that's required in the different devices and different home situations that people in have really put pressure on some of these organisations to deliver these digital experiences on, on mobile, on PC, on tablet, on different operating systems. Cindy, perhaps you can share how... Um, some of the services and, and capabilities that AWS customers use can help them do that across what is quite a complex environment. Absolutely, Simon. And, and Ian, thank you for those examples. They're, it tells us and helps us understand why we come to work every day to help people build platforms like that. One of the great things about working in the cloud is that it's easy for builders to build applications for any device, be it mobile devices, wearables, or traditional laptops or desktop computers. And by using services such as AWS AppSync or AWS Amplify, developers can build modern applications quickly that will work across devices and allow data to be captured in the data store most applicable to their use case, be it a scalable NoSQL database such as DynamoDB like Arludo did, or a traditional relational database in RDS using Amazon Aurora, or one of the many other data storage options that are available. By using these AWS services, customers are able to focus on their applications and collecting data while AWS does the undifferentiated heavy lifting of running the services. The data can also be stored and processed following security and data protection best practices using capabilities built into the AWS cloud. And again, allowing builders to focus on delivering a great customer experience. And once the data is in AWS, there are many ways customers can unlock further value in the data, be it through streaming data into other systems, analytics, or further processing through AI or ML, such as Amazon SageMaker. So a really interesting combination there. And I think the, the combination is what becomes interesting depending on the use case. So let's hear more from Michael on Aludo's platform breakdown. We use and focus on mobile devices. And there's several reasons why we do that. One is because Mobile devices are relatively inexpensive, and our products work on even lower-end devices. They can be found and used all over the world. They can be moved with people. I can move around really quickly with my mobile phone. I can show off my mobile device to friends, and we can work on things together. It's much more difficult to pick up a computer and walk around with it. And also, like I mentioned, phones have all kinds of sensors that aren't normally being used, and we can take advantage of in a very scientific kind of way. We take and we create these games in Unity, and through a simple HTTPS push, we push everything into the Amazon Dynamo database. So everything is stored there. We take that data and visualize it on our own dashboard. So students never really interact with the dashboard itself. That's something we want teachers to use. 
And what we've done is we take individual teachers, we get them to log in through Amazon Cognito, and then they can gain access to the dashboard itself and all the visualizations. That means in a learning management system, if you start having a classroom online and you assign some kind of one of our games and, and assign a learning assignment, these graphs will automatically populate within that learning management system. Teachers can start creating quizzes and they can start having much more of that automated opportunity so they can spend more time interacting with students and engaging them in more of a social learning opportunity. So this is what's really important here. We've simplified all that difficult part of science, the running of the experiment, the collection of the data, and the visualization of the data. All that is now simple, easy, and automatically done so teachers can focus on interacting with their students and creating that social environment online, which is really, really key. These are the ways that we feel that we're changing education. We're using those devices that are really popular. We're using live streams that our students are really used to engaging with. And we're making that all very simple, all very seamless, and all very engaging. And that's what students want in education now, because the rest of their life is so entertaining. Why work at learning something that may be difficult if it's not going to be fun? And that's the reality I think that teachers have to face nowadays. Students have so many opportunities to gain information in so many different ways. We have to meet students where they are, not expect students to come where we are. Some really interesting insights there. Now, Cindy, you know, a lot of talk is about that personalization experience and, and really helping teachers interact with students in a way that's meaningful them, for them, I should say. And, and, and is relevant to them. Can you share how some of the cloud solutions can be used by educators to, to best collect, process, and create those personalized engagements? This is a, a wonderful use case for the use of cloud and AWS technologies. Using Amazon Cognito, Amazon DynamoDB, and Amazon Sumerian, educators can create powerful interactive scenarios for their students. They can glean insights from their students' data and tailor the educational experience for the individual need. Amazon Cognito, which enables user sign up and sign in and access control to websites and mobile apps, it scales to millions of users and it supports a federated sign in with social identity providers, which really simplifies things for students and teachers alike. It'll help to facilitate the identity and access management needed, supporting the multi-factor authentication and encryption of data, both at rest and in transit, but it allows for an environment that people know how to use. Amazon Sumerian allows educators to easily create and run browser-based 3D augmented reality and virtual reality applications, providing opportunity to share experiences with students simply not available in a physical classroom. Being able to do that at scale, especially during um, COVID and during social distancing provides even more application. Pushing the data from these applications to Amazon DynamoDB, which is a fast and flexible non-relational database used for any scale, will help then find a way for the educator to be able to visualize the student data based on their actual usage. The inherent nature of the AWS cloud means that educational institutions only pay for what they need today. And if they need the ability to rapidly scale up or down, as we've seen in the COVID-19 pandemic, the solution and services can grow or shrink elastically as needed. 
For educational customers, this is particularly important as solutions can scale to meet the needs of both the educators and the students, no matter how many that might be. I'd also like to mention that AWS provides a number of other services to help education customers get the most out of their AWS solutions, be it our training and certification, our support, our solution architecture, or my team in the AWS professional services side. Customers have a lot of help available to help them through any stage of their cloud journey. Thanks for helping us uh, understand a bit more about that, Cindy. Ian, if I can come to you, you know, we think about the, the dramatic change that's happened in the, in the education sphere and the way it's delivered. And, and whilst I'm sure um, teachers, parents and students are equally excited to, to get back to the classroom and some of those more traditional learning experiences, what do you think the future looks like? And, and how, how do you think we can reimagine some of the, uh, the online learning experiences that are going to come? You know, it's interesting. Um, there, there's going to be a whole lot of figuring this out. And um, I guess I'm excited because we get to figure this out together. And, you know, through the eyes of our customers, we've really seen them step up to help. We've seen cloud technology be used to quickly innovate and engage online and to deliver online solutions. We're super delighted to see so many of these new services being made available for free during 2020. And I think, you know, that demonstrates just incredible long-term thinking by our EdTech customers. Just amazing. Uh, you know, to your question, I think we're going to see more and more augmentation to support learning as opposed to any real revolutionary clean slate. And there's a company that comes to mind in New Zealand. They're a software company called Kami. And Kami developed education software that makes it easy for teachers to annotate any existing documents, including PDF files, with notes or audio and video clips using a web browser. This technology has been very, very popular with teachers because it allows them to drive engagement and interaction with students using Kami's digital pen and paper. I think this is a great example where cloud technology can assist educators in their mission by complementing and enhancing their existing learning materials. We've touched on a few examples in the podcast, but there's such a broad variety of online education services built using cloud technology ranging from e-learning platforms to teaching resources to tools that monitor the well-being of students. We've seen teachers strive to support their students' education needs and well-being when teaching them through remote and distance learning, and we've seen schools and teachers experiment incredibly quickly. But when it comes to implementation, I think we have an obligation to ensure that we keep people connected through a combination of physical and online curriculum. In fact, I'm seeing this play out particularly across universities as they adopt a combination of live and pre-recorded lectures to ensure their students can obtain and then demonstrate their skills. They're using really simple technology, upload the video to their learning management system, connect over online video conferencing to debate and discuss the content, and then chat offline using collaboration tools like Slack that allows the tutors and the professors and the students to stay connected and ask questions when the need arises outside that normal traditional learning environment. Our countries are really unique. If we think about learners in Australia and New Zealand, they need the ability to transition from online to offline. And an example is fantastic because that's what exactly what a Ludo do and what they've delivered. And I'm seeing those institutions that provide online education have the best chance to remain resilient and I expect them to exist as sustainable businesses beyond 2020. You know, Simon, I'm super optimistic about what's possible. And at times like this, 
I think about some of the unique learning that actually exists in Australia. And my mental model is this, you know, if the Alice Springs School of the Air can connect to students across a 1.3 million square kilometre classroom using radio, then everything is possible when we link innovators and the latest technology together on AWS. Yeah, it's so true. The, the, the opportunities are vast. It's really about uh, paying attention and, and ma- making a difference. And uh, if you're interested to learn more about this topic and about uh, the Juniper and Aludo story, there are links in the show notes that you can click onto as well. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for sharing some of your insights today. Oh, absolute delight to be with you. And uh, go Australia and New Zealand. And Cindy, likewise to you, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing uh, your deep experience. An absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me here. And thanks everyone for listening. Would you love to get your feedback? AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.